poetry lovers. This Father's Day, give the gift of poetry with Father versus Sons, a moving, funny, and richly illustrated book from the iconic Beat Generation author Herbert Gold and his twin sons. Father versus Sons, a correspondence in poems. I'm the senior content editor at the Academy of American Poets. I'm so excited to be here in conversation today with Rosa Alcala, our Poem Day guest editor for September 2021. Rosa, hi, how are you? Hi, thank you for having me. Oh gosh, of course. Um, an honor and a real, uh, real privilege to get to work with you on curating Poem Day. Um, it's been so much fun. It was really great. Good. I'm so glad. Um, it's nice when you can kind of like have a nice time putting out culture. Yeah, for sure. It's like kind of rare these days. Yeah. yeah. Um, so why don't we kind of get right into it? Uh, how did you approach curating Holmaday? Well, when I was asked to curate, we were in the middle of this pandemic that we're still in and so I was thinking a lot about community and what that means, especially a poetry community. Um, and, you know, I have these ongoing texts with friends who are also poets and part of what we text besides our daily problems and things like that, or um, our poems that we've read or poets that we're excited about. And it's sort of like, oh my God, you know, have you read this? Or, um, you know, sharing people that we, you know, may not know about you know, with uh, or share poets that we really love with our friends who may not know about them. Um, so in some ways I was thinking like, that's what Poem A Day can be. It could be sort of inviting these readers into, um, you know, your world, you know, the, the world that includes the things that you read, um, the poets you're friends with, your influences, all of that. And it's kind of like that daily text to them, right? It's like, oh my God, read this, or isn't this cool? Or, you know, this is someone who I really love. Maybe you'll love them too. So on a basic level, it was about, you know, um, extending that conversation, right? Beyond a community of poets um, that I'm in conversation with on a daily basis to these readers who then become part of my community as well. Um, but because it was also this, um, pandemic, I was thinking about, um, you know, various topics. I was thinking about essential workers. So I was also reaching out to friends and being like, who's, who's writing about work? Mm. Um, and not all the poems sort of reflect that initial sort of um, search or thrust, right? But it was, you know, getting recommendations. Yeah, this poet is writing these interesting poems about work or class. And I was thinking about immigration as well, because we were at the, the end of this um, 
presidency that was really just so terrible um, for people, um, for migrants and immigrants and many of my students who are in this bilingual MFA program who come from other countries. Um, and so I wanted poets who wrote about that and poets who wrote about loss. And, you know, there were just a lot of things in the air that I thought, um, these are topics that I'm always interested in. I always read poems, you know, political poems, poems um, about these topics, but I thought, yeah, it's just, you know, things that we're thinking about now. And, um, and interestingly, one of, the, one of the poets who, you know, is one of my big influences, Harriet Mullen, who I've, you know, been reading since, you know, my 20s and who I just really, really love. Um, she sent a poem um, about, you know, the, the speaker sort of begin, takes this walk and forgets her mask. Mm. You know, and at some point when I was making the final selection, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be interesting for the readers in September to think back on their own moments of sort of figuring out what they should be doing or what they shouldn't be doing, or is it okay to be here, not be here with a mask? And, um, and also there's, there's kind of this um, interaction with the neighbor and also the, the ways that we've rethought our relationship to, to our neighbors. Um, and now that September is coming up, I realize that we're sort of back knee deep into the question of mask wearing, whereas, you know, for a moment we thought, oh, like maybe, maybe we could let go of the mass if we're vaccinated. And, you know, so it's like that, that poem, you know, I, I thought was going to be read in one way, but it's going to be read in another. And I wonder what it's going to mean six months from now. So it's interesting to pick poems at a certain time mm -hmm. for a month, um, not knowing what they're going to mean in, in many, you know, in, in many months, right, when it's finally published. So that was a, sort of an interesting um, thing to, to see and also not know what poets who I'm thinking, oh, they write about these things and, and I really like them because of this or this or this and I wanna share them, but then I'm surprised by what they send me, right? So I can't, you know, I just don't know what's going to happen. So you kind of start on one path and then end up somewhere else it's even better quite honestly yeah. right because you can't you can't sort of plan it so I think it was I think it was all that and then part of my community and when I say community I don't just mean people who I'm in contact with but I think also like an imaginary community mm -hmm. of shared of shared affinities you know things that um you know because some of many of these poets some of these poets I know well and some of these poets I don't but I feel like they're still part of my poetry community but many of those are poets who are thinking through other languages, who are translators, um, who are not originally from the US. Um, and so those are included too, because that just reflects like, you know, that larger community. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the way that, um, like the length and the breadth of this month, um, I really am thinking about what you said about this idea of work, because I think that it's threaded in different ways throughout the poems. And it's yes. also a word that we've been seeing come up a lot, um, not just in this month, but throughout Day, like throughout the project of this year, like what work are we doing in these months that appear in Day? three months later, two weeks later? Like it's just um, the immediate... Um, the immediate feedback of the moment 
yeah is kind of wild and the way that it relates to like labor and work and the labor of the actual poem itself is it like you said moves and changes once it's released into the world and becomes a part of history yeah and it's in, it's it's invisible work right because you you know you know on your end the 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 work that goes into putting this together for the month but i was also very um, aware when I was asking poets that there were, you know, everyone had pressures that they've never had before. So, you know, um, even to respond to an email or send me a poem, um, you know, I, I felt like there was this, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of overwhelmed here. I don't know if I can get it to you by this date. Um, and I felt the same way. I felt like, you know, some of us are you know, um, homeschooling our kids when we never wanted to homeschool our kids, you know, um, and some of us, you know, are taking on extra things or we're worried about our parents or we're, um, you know, uh, contributing to our communities because our communities are um, in need more than ever. And so there, you get a sense that, you know, this little poem, right, that's, that is appearing in your, like, there's so much that had to happen and so much space that needed to be cleared and so much kind of, um, uh, you know, you know, um, time that had to be set aside from something else just to make that happen. Yes. Right. So that, that's why I just, and, and then the reader, right. Has to open up that email and take the time to read it when they probably have 50 emails they need to respond to yeah. that day. So yes, there's, there's this labor, I think sometimes labor is talked about in these kind of very black and white ways of like, there's some kind of labor that's visible or some kind of labor that, but there's, there's, a, there's a lot of labor that doesn't, that the poem itself doesn't document, but it represents in invisible ways. Yeah. 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 And then I remember this thing that um, our first book award winner, Kemi Alabi, um, tweeted out a while ago but it stays with me every day it's like they were like um if I'm if I am reading a poem and I realize that like I, I don't have the mental capacity like the capacity to show up for that poem while I'm reading it then that means that I need to rest yeah right like that's a gauge for like when do I need to just take a break from from what's happening and take a nap or something right, right? Yeah, that fallow time, right? I mean, my my friend Anna Maria Hong, who's included in in September, um, and she's someone who I, I text with regularly. She she was saying that I was feeling very hard on myself for not finishing a book I'm working on, and she said, you know, fallow time is important. And I I um, I want to believe her, but I'm a Capricorn, so that's just like telling me something I don't understand. Um, but that reminder, right? That that we we need that that time um to do nothing right uh, in order but but this year it's been so hard to be in that space of the doing nothing even though we've been at home right and we haven't had a social life but then suddenly everything becomes work or everything becomes being at home and you know i i i feel like i've worked harder this year than any other time and have had no break from there's no separation from that you know this is work this is home this is it's been a lot but I'm sure you know I've, I've had it better than a lot of other people yeah. so and just the word fallow just that word we're yeah. like 
has so much inside of it to like unpack and unmake. And like, you're already trying to unpack and unmake every aspect of your life. Yeah. Even this, um, gosh. Um, okay. So if you could direct readers to one poem in our collection at poets.org that you haven't curated, uh, what would it be and why? So this is a little bit cheating because it's actually a video and it's uh, from, from, um, uh, I'm trying to think it was like poetry access TV or, or free access poetry TV, but it's uh, Bernadette Mayer reading Eve of Easter. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I really, I fell in love with her work in my twenties and fell in love sounds, you know, maybe, maybe that's not the way to say it. It's more like, it just kind of rocked my world, right? It just like reading her in my twenties. And I was reading a lot of um, you know, women poets. And I wasn't, you know, I hadn't read broadly or widely in my twenties. I don't know if I knew that much about poetry, um, but it was very different from any of the poets I was reading. I mean, women poets or otherwise, it just felt very, very different. Um, and it felt very irreverent and funny and quirky. Um, so, and Bernadette Mayer's in the month of September as well. Um, she's one of these people I reached out to and was kind of like, I hope, you know, I hope that she'll want to contribute. Um, but Eve of Easter, I found years later, I think somebody probably posted it on social media, like here's this video of, of um, a very young Bernadette Mayer re- uh, reading this poem and it's such a good poem. And it's, and it's about, you know, negotiating um, the expectations of gender um, you know, when, when she was younger, but it still rings true, right? Like she's, she's taking care of these, these babies that are the babies of Melville and Hawthorne, essentially, you know, and, you know, they, they get to, to write and do their work and be solitary while she's taking care of these babies. Um, and I was, I wrote down, cause I listened to it again in preparation for the interview. I listened to this video again, uh, a couple of times today. And there's a terrific heroic couplet. I mean, I didn't scan it, but it sounds like a heroic couplet. The, um, I lost the prejudice of paradise and wound up caring for the babies of these guys. Uh, it's so good. I know it's fantastic, right? And you just think like, you know, the the babies are, I think, references to her children, but they're also just, you know, metaphoric. Like what what did women have to tend to to allow spaces for the you know solitary male genius to create, um, so yeah, so that's the that's the video um, that uh, that I would share, and I'm sure the poem can be can be found somewhere as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so yeah. that's it. That's my recommendation. Um, falling, in, um, what is it? Who said that? A pure change happened. Rock my world. That is also a kind of falling in love. Yeah. Yeah. Or falling yeah. backwards into love, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Bernadette Mayer, a poet that takes my breath away. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm so excited for folks to read uh, that poem. My God. Um, yeah. So who are you reading right now? So I got this book in the mail um, and I didn't order it. I didn't expect it. So it was just kind of this surprise. And people send me, send, you know, we get sent stuff, right? We're writers, we get sent stuff all the time. 
Um, and I don't always get a chance to read it, but something was compelling about it. I don't know why. And I started reading it right away. And it's from the um, Unsung Masters series that I think is published by Gulf Coast, or they're one of the sort of co-publishers of it. Um, and I think Kevin Proofer is kind of involved in the Unsung Masters series. I'm not sure. But it's of it's an anthology of letters and poems by Srila Ray. Um, and it's edited by Kazama Lee, who I know is the August uh, <laughs> editor, right? Um, Kazama Lee and Rohan Chitri. And um, Srila Ray um, was a um, Indian American poet. She moved from India when she was 18 to come to school. And she was, she went to Breadloaf, like she was one of the youngest you know, guests at Breadloaf or, or writers invited to go to Breadloaf. Um, and I'm just blown away. You know, like I'm, I, you know, as the series is called Unsung Masters. So it's, you know, poets who have been forgotten or not properly recognized, didn't get the attention they deserve. But she obviously got a certain amount of attention early on in her career and then just disappeared, you know, and, and, um, Cosm writes in the introduction that it that you know one can argue that maybe it was the case of many women of her generation who had children, right? That he goes, but that doesn't completely explain it, right? And then you realize it also if you read the correspondence that it you know she's also dealing with being objectified, but also being objectified not a, not just as a woman but a woman of color. And, and, and navigating that very sort of white poetry world. So the, the book in and of itself is literary activism. It's just a beautiful tribute to her work. Um, and I'm just so, you know, that work of recovery I think is so important and it's so selfless in a lot of ways, right? For a poet to say, I'm gonna do this work to, to bring back someone who is important to me um, and to share their work and, and it, the, but the poems are so good. I mean, I could say all about literary activism and all this and that, but the work is so good. Um, and, and then all of the, the ways that it's framed through the correspondence, through some of the essays in the back, um, through the introduction um, is interesting and in kind of understanding, you know, we were saying about this kind of labor, these things that happen outside of the, the, the frame of the poem and you get a sense of, of her life and what she struggled with and, and her interests and her obsessions. But there's this little thread in the correspondence um, where that, you know, that, that documents that, that she was um, not considered, e even though they were interested in the book that she published, she only published one book, she was not considered for a national book award because she wasn't a US citizen. And in the correspondence, it says something like um, they refer they refer to her as an illegal alien, and she takes issue with that. And she says, "I refer to myself, I think, as a permanent resident." I can't remember what term now, but one was offensive, and one was the one that she used that she considered not offensive. And she argued, like, you, you know, the U.S. poetry world shaped me. I went to I came to school here at eighteen. I mean, she went to Breadloaf. She published in the U.S. Like, at what point? What determines? you know, who represents the nation, you know, who represents, you know, um, uh, the, the poetry of that place. And 
Um, so her frustrations with that, she was very, very upset. And I just, it's just, it's such an interesting book and she's such an interesting poet. Um, and yeah, I, I, I so, re I so recommend this book. It just came, I think it just came out. Um, but her poetry is just mind blowingly good. It's so, it, it, yeah, I, I, I'm, I feel like I'm just repeating myself, but yeah. I'm very excited about it. And I've been texting, speaking of texting friends, I've been texting, I Instagram to the cover, you know, um, I just kind of want to share it with everyone because I'm just discovering, you know, someone I'm like, what? She was writing when? And I never heard of her, it's just, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I remember um, around, maybe it was the day of the coup in January. Um, somebody tweeted out, I'm never on Twitter, but like, these are the things that stick in my brain. Um, uh, somebody tweeted out, um, like America, like at its most, at its most beautiful is like, is what it is, it is, is America at its most beautiful is the culmination of like the dreams of what this place could be as imagined by people who are not yet living as full citizens. Yeah. And it's like, what, like this, like, what truly are we doing when we cannot afford somebody basic wellness in anything, right? Like basic wellness in your community, which includes like, which has to include recognition. It has to include somebody saying, this is a wonderful thing while you're still around, you know? Yeah. And like this unarchiving work, it's, it's so important. Um, I'm yeah. very excited to hear about this poet from you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so what are you currently working on now in your writing, teaching, and or publishing life? Well, I've been trying for a long time to write this sort of um, poetic memoir. Um, and I've published a lot of the poems in different places. Um, but I've been trying to figure out how to shape the book and, you know, um, various ways that I've tried to shape it. Um, I don't think this year has been the best year to finish a book, at least for me. Um, you know, I, I know some people have found this isolation, um, uh, a time of productivity and an ability to kind of, you know, shut other things out. Um, I can't say that it has really been the case for me because I'm also parenting. So I'm like, you know, in isolation with other people who have needs um, <laughs> that are not necessarily my needs. Um, so I hope to finish it. The issue is that I, and I, I listened to Cosm's um, interview the other day um, with you and uh, uh, he was saying that he's um, gonna be chair. Yeah, and so am I. <laughs> That's really exciting. Congratulations. But he's, he, he said in the interview that he's not teaching and I am. <laughs> so I'll still be teaching. I'll be teaching a little bit less, but we'll see. We'll see with this first year of, of you know, administrative work and, and learning how to do all of that, um, whether it'll give me time to finish it. But in any case, there's, there's something on the horizon. It'll, it'll get done. Um, I just finished translating some poems by Juan Felipe Herrera, uh, a section of a book called Acrylica. And um, 
Acrylica was, he wrote the, the book in Spanish in the early eighties and it was published. And there was a, there's a previous translation of it available as well, but Noemi Press and um, Carmen Jimenez-Smith at Noemi Press um, wanted to, um, you know, gather a group of translators to retranslate it. And so it's going to be published by Noemi sometime next year. And um, Noemi has a series called the Acrylica series. So, and that was, you know, in tribute to, to Juan Felipe Herrera. So this, um, so it makes sense that they, she'd want to publish this book as well. So um, yeah, that I, we just wrapped that up. Um, Farid Matuk and Carmen Jimenez-Smith are editing the book. So <clears throat> we just went over the, the final changes. So that's exciting. That's going to come out soon. Um, and that's also a work of recovery. It's sort of bringing a book back, you know, um, by someone who, you know, is very well known as a poet and as our for former poet laureate, but perhaps this book isn't. So, yeah. And the work of translation, I know that Grey Wolf put out this book a while ago that had um, a work and then three different translations. I love and, that. Yeah. The way that it's laid out when you see different people translating work, I mean, it's it's phenomenal. It's incredibly prismatic thinking, all laid out on the page. Yeah. yeah. It's great for someone. I, you know, I must have heard about, how long has this been, book been out, the Grey Wolf book? A while, at least two years. At okay. Least. I'm sure I've, I sure, I'm sure I've made a note of it, but it's, it'd be great for my translation classes, because I often do that. I will teach poems translated by different translators and talk about you know, their choices, because then you realize, um, and, and I think translation is often spoken about this way or talked about this way or critiqued this way. It's just like, well, why did they choose this word? Or I wouldn't have chosen that word, or this is a bad translation. And certainly one can talk about perhaps not a good translation in various ways, people who don't understand the cultural context or are, you know, I mean, there are problematic ways to translate. However, when you look at different translations, you realize that every micro choice can be based on different ways of reading it or has different impacts, not necessarily about right or wrong. Mm -hmm. um, so seeing that, and you might prefer one translation over another, but that doesn't make it a bad translation. So um, I'll have to remember that. I mean, I take a lot of notes then I forget. But I can also send you a link to it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love that. I re I'll remember to do it and then I'll order it. I'll have it on my desk. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. It's hey. such a treat to work with you. Um, and I hope you have a lovely day. Thank you. I hope you do too. And I hope all the readers um, enjoy the month of September. Original daily poetry series featuring new work by today's poets. Produced by the Academy of American Poets, this free digital series is made possible by you, our readers and listeners. Learn more about Poem A Day, and if you can, please consider supporting this work by visiting poets.org/give.